Well, the Braves and the Phillies are looking to be contenders next year, and they're looking to do so with some familiar faces. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who's been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and I've finished five seasons and looking forward to number six here at the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Follow us on Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter or whatever it's called now. And Instagram, I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe here on YouTube for those of you who are watching my face. And make sure to link yourself so you can get notifications every time we do a brand new show. And if you do post either on the Twitterverse or on the Instagramverse or here in the YouTubes, make sure to put the hashtag Everyday Sully so I know who is listening to us. Every single day, there's your everyday Sully there. Hey, uh, let's do a quick recap. Today, we are going to be talking about the fact that the Braves and the Phillies are doubling down and saying, hey, we're going to try to contend again with some very familiar faces. And both teams are keeping their rosters together in, I think, a pretty fun way. Uh, Also, Zach Britton has called it a career. He's had a wonderful career. And may bring up some debate about Hall of Fame candidacy for him and for two other Hall of or potential Hall of Famers out there. One who's already on the ballot, who I think should be in. One is still active and will make a, I don't know, a strange case for the Hall of Fame. And we honor two former first round picks who started their careers off sort of disappointingly, but in the end, check the boxes you would want to check for a great baseball life. Well, let's check one thing about a great baseball life, which is answering the trivia question. We talked a lot about the uh, San Diego Padres in the last episode. And the question that I had was this. The Padres have won one World Series game in their entire history. And they've had a lot of great pitchers on their team, Hall of Famers, Cy Young winners, left and right. The question was, what pitcher received was credited with the only win for a San Diego Padres pitcher in World Series history? And John Murphy Jr. got it right. I think someone else got it right, too, but there you go. I know John Murphy Jr. got it right. The answer was Andy Hawkins. Andy Hawkins, who actually came out of the bullpen to get the victory there. Hawkins later started game five and we got the loss in that game but Hawkins came out of the bullpen to get the victory and the interesting thing is the save and there are some of the great bullpen closers of all time have played in San Diego Raleigh Fingers played in San Diego Trevor Hoffman played in San Diego Rich Gossage was the closer on that San Diego team but the only save in San Diego Padres history what in the World Series was by Craig Lefferts Go figure, Craig Lefferts. I remember Craig Lefferts mainly with San Francisco, and he would sprint from the bullpen to the 
mound. It was, it was, it was fun to watch. Um, it is the winter time, so a lot of hot stove stuff is going on here. A few moves have gone around. The big one I'm going to bring up in just a second. Uh, one, a couple of smaller ones. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, I mentioned earlier, was non-tendered by the Brewers. That should be interesting for someone who's building for 2025. Uh, the, the Braves traded away Kyle Wright, who just a few years ago looked like he was going to be a mainstay. Uh, he got a, he's got some uh, uh, Cy Young votes in 2022 when he was a 21 game winner for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, he was he pitched in the uh, postseason for the 2021 World Series champs, but he only pitched in seven games last year. was a non-factor and wound up being traded to the Kansas City Royals uh, in uh, in a, in a deal. And well, look at he was the number five overall pick. Got a World Series ring with his trouble with the Braves. Maybe he can turn over things with the Kansas City Royals. But the Braves are moving on, and they signed Reynaldo Lopez. Now, Lopez has started his, his career as a starting pitcher. Uh, he was in the White Sox. Or, he, was a, he was in the Nationals organization. He flourished with the Chicago White Sox. Uh, then he, was, uh, he went to the bullpen after the COVID season and became a very effective reliever. Last year, he bounced around uh, when the Angels did their ill-advised push for the playoffs. They acquired him from the White Sox, and then later he was put on waivers, and Cleveland picked him up in their big spending spree. Well, now he's picked up by the – and he had an okay year last year. Uh, he finished the year with 11 scoreless innings in Cleveland, and he is signing with Atlanta now. To and it's unclear. Like I, I when when they signed him, I thought like, okay, you know, he's a pitcher. I think he's turning thirty, so they're going to use him in their bullpen. But there's already some chatter. They may try to stretch him out to see he could be a back of the end uh, starter. We'll see. And the whole idea of a rotation is kind of a lot different now, anyway. But the big, oh, another smaller piece of news is the St. Louis Cardinals uh, reacquired Lance Lynn, uh, Lynn who had a couple of good years with the White Sox and wound up going to the Dodgers. And when all the injuries befell upon the LA Dodgers last year, uh, Lynn was actually one of the more effective pitchers for the Dodgers in the second half of the year, but he fell off badly and got bombed in the playoffs by the Diamondbacks. And so he's returning to the St. Louis Cardinals where he was an all-star. He was an all-star. He was a world series champion. So uh, maybe the thought process was, Hey, he can uh, he can refine he can regain his form uh, as a quality starter. He had a he had a good year with the Texas Rangers a few years ago as well, but back he goes. Big news, however, one of the the first really big free agent to come off of the board was Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola, uh, starting pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies, obviously was being rumored to go anywhere because of you know he's a all-star caliber starting pitcher. You know, he had a, a you know, he got uh, some Cy Young uh, votes last year. He finished fourth in the Cy Young voting last year. Uh, he pitched a bunch. Of, he was 193 in two-thirds innings this year. Wasn't quite as effective, but was still a solid starting pitcher and is uh, someone who is, a uh, you know, consistent all-star Cy Young contender who spent the first nine seasons of his career with Philadelphia. He is returning to the Phillies. He has signed a seven-year contract extension. And the rumor was is that he was actually offered more money by other teams, but 
you know, once you get to seven years, which means basically his entire career, he's already pitched for nine years. If he pitches for 16 years at the majors, any time at the end is one that you'll, you know, those are bonus years. And he's probably has about two or three more really good years as a starting pitcher. And the Phillies said, hey, the time is now. And if we have to pay for some bad years at the end, so be it. We're trying to win that World Series title now. We've already got a pennant and we're already a consistent uh, a playoff team. They were one rally away from getting Kyle Schwarber up there in game seven. They got the game seven of the NLCS. Let's face it, a series they should have won. All due respect to the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Phillies were in complete control of that series, and they wet the bet. They didn't get the big hit in the final two games when the first two games looked like they could score at will. And the Phillies know the time is now. And so what are they doing? They are keeping their team together. They're signing players to long-term deals. And if you take a look at their team, they have – I mean, I'm, I'm going to go right now to uh, Baseball Reference – Com, which, as we know, is the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. If you take a look at the fact that they are going into next year, if you're a Philadelphia Phillies fan, there is a obviously there is a genuine danger that if some of these players start to break down, there are some big long term deals that they wouldn't be able to move. However, you know that if we have a window of opportunity, that's going to be 2024 and 2025. If you're trying to win a World Series, you're trying to get the whole win the big kahuna and win the third World Series championship in the history of the Philadelphia Phillies, the first since 2008, you know, here are the players that are guaranteed on the team next year. And the, the next two years, you've got Harper in uh, 24 and 25. You've got Trey Turner in 24 and 25. You've got Nola those two years. You've got Riamilto those two years. You've got Castellanos those two years. You have Schwarber those two years. You have Taiwan Walker those two years. You got Jose Alvarado those two years. You know, you got uh um you got uh Sir Anthony Dominguez for those two years. Plus, you also know you have Suarez, you have uh Alec Bohm, you have Brandon Marsh, you got several other players who are not yet uh who are not yet free agents, uh you know, eligible for free agency. So and also Wheeler is going to be a free agent after next year, so he's going to be. You're, you're not sure if you got him, but you know you have next year. The band is back together. Next year and the year after, with the exception of Wheeler, you've got everybody locked in. So you, if you're a Phillies fan, you know that for the next two years you have a solid team. You know you have a team that is not just, you know, good and battle-tested, and most of them have actually played in the World Series at this point, but you know that you can attach a little bit of emotion to them knowing they're going to be around. But here's the thing that makes it even cooler, in my humble opinion. They have themselves a rival who's also taking the same approach, and I actually kind of think it's good for baseball. Well, we're talking baseball always at Locked On MLB, but we are in the midst of the football season. Let me tell you something. As the football season carries on and we're in the back nine of the year, it's the best time to go to FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, it is absolutely the perfect time to do it. You get $150 in bonus bets 
with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you're thinking about joining FanDuel, do it now because the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get going on this NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League. Hey, Locked On fans, here's something you've got to know about. Locked On is starting the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts from Locked On, plus our national sports covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national 24-7 streaming channel. Now, I've been praising the Philadelphia Phillies for keeping the band together, keeping the team all locked up. But I mentioned earlier the Braves, who just brought in Ronaldo Reynosa and took a look at Kyle Wright, their 20-something game winner a few years ago, and said, you know what? May not be right for him. No pun intended. But take a look at the Braves situation. The Braves have Austin Riley, who is still only 26, signed through the end of this decade. Matt Olson, who's still on the other side of 30, he's signed for the rest of the decade. They have Spencer Strider, who's under the age of 30. He's signed through the rest of the decade. Ronald Acuna Jr., the best player in the National League, he's signed through 2026. Michael Harris II, not the first, and I don't think there's a third. He is signed through the end of the decade. Rizal uh, Iglesias, he's signed to the end of 2025. Uh, Ozuna, is they have team control through 2025. Ozzy Albies, he's in control of the team through 2026. Orlando Arcia, he's in team control through 2026. Now, and uh, there's one more. Uh, um, I thought there was one other one that they had long-term. Okay, well, that's enough right there. Now, think about all the players I listed off for the Phillies. Now, think about all the people I just listed off for the Braves. Those two teams are essentially going to be the same team for the next two or three years. And they're both very good. They're both easily 90-win teams. And so, you know what? I'm going to drop to my knees and and beg Major League Baseball to really start to promote this rivalry. Now, the rivalry would have had a little more juice to it if the Phillies did win the pennant this year or if the Braves won the pennant this year. But the fact of the matter is, they both are recent pennant winners. They both have players who have been to the World Series. They both have teams who have been there and done that. The Phillies came two games short a couple of years ago, but still. You have two fan bases, a northern fan base and a southern fan base. You've got the entire south basically belongs to the Braves, as, along with all the people who grew up watching TBS in the 80s and 90s. Philadelphia is an underrated huge potential market. Philadelphia is a decent-sized city. you got all of Jersey, and you've got transplanted Philadelphia fans all over the place. You've got transplanted Southerners all over the place. Remember how the Red Sox-Yankee rivalry, which, of course, is you know runs deep and blah, 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 but it made it for those games, those matchups were must-see TV, and it made it so they were larger than life. And yes, those two, the Red Sox and Yankees, seem to pull in a lot of stars from other teams, especially in the middle of their White Hart rivalry in the middle of the 2000s. We could potentially have that in the National League between Philadelphia and Atlanta. 
And that's a good thing. Rivalries are good. Having players stick around on the same team so you can create an identity with them is good. Now, one of the things the Braves very smartly did, I know some people got on them for that. They signed some of their players to really long-term deals early. But do you know what? That's A, that's smart for the team, and it might be smart for the players. Because, you know, you could be a young player and say, like, oh, I'm going to wait till I hit free agency and really cash in then. Or you could be Kyle Wright. Kyle Wright, two, just two years ago, looked like, oh, geez, this is a potential Cy Young Award winner. And now he's just trying to, you know, readjust his, his uh, way to go to the, uh, you know, to go to the Kansas City Royals. Baseball is not smart. Major League Baseball is not smart. We, we, we've seen that. We've established that. But it'd be nice if someone in marketing got off their butt and realized that, hey, there's a potential here. There's potential here for some, not only fun baseball, good baseball, players who are going to stick around. You can get you can get attached to these players, but also cocky players. You know, flamboyant players, Acuna, Harper, you know, Schwarber hitting those balls out to the moon. You know, Albies playing with a flair. There's a way to play the game. Oh, put your head down and act like you've been there before. Or have fun. These are players who seem to have a lot of fun. Remember fun? And these are two fan bases that have a lot of fun. And they've recently been in World Series. Focus on these teams. You know, the, create a sense of joy and intensity between these two teams within the same division who will be elbowing each other in the face and may face off against each other for the third straight year. Both of these teams are doing what you'd want your general managers and your ownership to do, which is we're keeping the good players together. You can get attached to these players if you're a Philadelphia fan or if you're an Atlanta fan. So market that. Let's get some excitement going there. I want to see that. I want to see it now. Uh, by the way, um, Zach Britton has called it a career. Zach Britton's had a wonderful career. Uh, he has wound up pitching uh, you know, 12 seasons, mainly with the Baltimore Orioles, eight years with the Orioles, uh, four, really four seasons with the Yankees. He only pitched in a handful of games in 2022. He had some of the all-time best relief stats of any 21st century reliever. I don't want to go back to Gossage or Fingers or to Hoyt Wilhelm when you had you know, uh, your relief pitchers pitching like workhorses. You know, he would have a low workload in terms of his innings pitch count. But he also had a year, like 2016 was the year he famously, he struck out 74 batters in 67 innings. And the entire year he let up four earned runs. His ERA was 0.54. He had a stretch there with Baltimore where he was, it was as good as any relief pitcher this century. And of course, he will always be linked to the fact that he sat in the bullpen eating sunflower seeds while Buck Showalter didn't use them in an extra inning elimination game, one which ended up on a walk-off home run. Again, he could have left the walk-off home run. He also could have pitched two innings, and if they didn't score for him then, they would have to go on to the bullpen. But I just have a little theory that if you're in an elimination playoff game, your season could end every time the pitcher lets go of the ball and you don't use all your best pitchers, then that is an egregious managerial crime. You can't just have him sitting in the bullpen waiting for the save 
especially when it's like, all right, if we're going to go down, let's go down with our fifth best. Britain had a, he had a great peak there. Not sure if it's a Hall of Fame career, but it's certainly a wonderful career. Billy Wagner is on the Hall of Fame ballot this year, and I think he did have one. I think he did the, add the length for it. And I think somewhere between Britain and Billy Wagner will land, um, you know, our dear, uh, I'm sorry. I would do it. Why am I? Why am I blanking on? Why am I blanking on our 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 fellow's name? I, I I've lo- maybe this is this maybe this is a, a postseason you know off season itis that I can't I can't I, I kept I kept trying to say Zach Britton, Craig Kimbrell. Why couldn't I? Because I couldn't say Kimbrell because my brain kept saying Britain because I've been looking at Britain Britain, Britain so I, I could Zach. Zach Britton, no, Craig Britton. Britain, Britain was a Britain. I know there's a B in it. Oh my God! I think I, I think you know what? I think you may have to put me in the home. Craig Kimbrell is a weird sort of middle point between Billy Wagner, who I think is absolutely in the Hall of Fame, and Zach Britton, who I think had a wonderful career, but I think will fall just short. Um, Kimbrell has had a, a again was known for not being brought in in a critical game when he sat in the bullpen during the Braves postseason run in 2013. You know he's pitched. 14 years. He's on the Phillies. Um, is he signed for next year? I'm actually not 100% sure. I go, let's go to baseball reference. Um, no, he's a free agent. I doubt he's going to return to the Phillies because he wet the bed in the postseason. And that's a little bit of his legacy. You know, he helped win the Reds. The Red Sox won the World Series in 2018. Um, but holy cats, was he horrible in the postseason to the point where they didn't even bring him in to close out the World Series. And he was rotten the next year in Chicago with the Cubs. He righted the ship with the Cubs in 2021, but then bombed horribly with the White Sox the next year. Um, in the last couple of years, he's been, you know, adequate. But in the beginning of his career, he was absolutely, he was he was Cy Young caliber. So when his career winds down, it's going to be an interesting breakdown of him. I think he is the midway point between Zach Britton, who was a very good closer with a very high peak, and Billy Wagner, who I think is a Hall of Famer. These are the kind of debates I do like when it comes down to uh, baseball in the Hall of Fame. It's a heck of a lot more fun than talking about other bad stuff. All righty. So um, we will, we're going to be doing a couple of things this week. Um, uh, Vanessa Ivy Rose, who is a, uh, the granddaughter of Turkey Stearns, the Hall of Famer whose head is sitting right behind me right there, is uh, going to be a guest on our show on Turkey Day on Thanksgiving, where we just talk about the wonderful podcast that he that she has been the host of uh, uh, called Reclaimed, which is a wonderful show, which you should be listening to. Uh, and we're going to be doing we're going to be starting a new series uh, during the offseason called Alternate Reality Fridays. We're going to be talking about some of the what ifs, some of the what ifs in the history of baseball, how baseball could have zigged instead of zagged. If something could have, uh, if something could have been slightly different, how baseball history would have unfolded. And our first entry that is part of the discussion with uh, Vanessa Ivy Rhodes about how baseball could have been integrated earlier than Jackie Robinson. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, let's just also bring up the fact, happy birthday to Rick Monday and to JD Drew, uh, two players who were, had, came in with 
tremendous fanfare into baseball. And in some people's eyes, I bet was in some people's eyes, I think was probably uh, a disappointment in their career. But in the end, they wind up doing everything you would want to do as you know, as baseball stars. Rick Monday is the answer to a very specific trivia question, which was who was the first selection in the first ever amateur draft? And the amateur draft began in 1965, and the Kansas City A's made their first selection, Rick Monday. And he was going to be the centerpiece star of the A's in Kansas City. He was a star at uh, Arizona State University, and it did not take long for him to join the Kansas City A's. And he did make the all-star team with the 1968 A's. But by the time the A's were a playoff team in 1971, he was considered a little bit of a letdown. And he was traded to the Chicago Cubs for Ken Holtzman. Holtzman which really secured the A's starting rotation when they went on their winning streak in the World Series. Now, Rick Mundy was pretty good with the Cubs and ultimately was traded to the Dodgers in the Bill Buckner trade. And he became an all-star with the Dodgers and became kind of a, a bit of a platoon player, a solid player, but his entire career was defined by a key home run in the league championship series where his home run off of Steve Rogers in game five of the 1981 National League championship series essentially sunk the Montreal Expos and led the Dodgers into the World Series, one that they would wind up winning. He would get his World Series ring for his troubles there. Now, it's also the birthday of another first-round pick. Now, uh, again, someone you probably don't want to bring up to around Philadelphia fans, but J.D. Drew was the number two pick overall in the draft of 1997, and Drew sat out wanting a better contract. And he wound up signing with the independent St. Louis, or not St. Louis, uh, St. Paul Saints, and entered the draft the next year where he was drafted by the St. Louis Cardinals, the fifth overall. So he was looked upon as this, this greedy dude uh, who, did not, who did not sign, uh, made a lot of people hate Scott Boris. I don't understand the vitriol against Scott Boris. And Drew came up and was a good player, Certainly put up some good numbers, but a hard time staying healthy. He, he found injuries in 2000, 2001, 2003. Put up really good numbers when he was on the field, but eh, he couldn't stay healthy. And eventually, the Cardinals traded him for or to the Atlanta Braves. Similar to the Rick Monday trade, how the trade wound up getting a pitcher to solidify a World Series champion rotation. The A's got Ken Holtzman. The Cardinals got Adam Wainwright, who was a minor leaguer in the Braves organization. Now, J.D. Drew was a free agent. It was going to be a free agent after the 04 season. His lone season in Atlanta, he stayed healthy and had a great all-around year and signed a big contract with the Dodgers and immediately got hurt. And he had an opt-out after his second year, which he did opt out. And I remember as a Red Sox fan, there were rumors he was going to be signed with the Red Sox. I did everything short of going to a church and lighting candles to say, don't sign J.D. Drew. Or if you do, you have to sign him to one-year deals because he only performs when he knows he's he's got a free agent deal coming up. And he signed with the Red Sox. He had a disappointing year, you know, 
he was it was not the all-star caliber player they were hoping for and he was a bit of a letdown and certainly not a fan favorite now he was going through a lot of personal things including his son was very sick at the time we didn't know that we were just booing him because he was a big price you know free agent who was bombing but like rick monday he hit a home run in the league championship series his was a grand slam in the first inning of game six which immediately put cleveland on their heels and essentially led them to a world series title he was fabulous in the world series he was fabulous the next year we made the all-star team was the all-star game mvp and helped beat the the angels in the division series and nearly and got several huge hits to nearly beat Tampa Bay in that wild ALCS. So neither Rick Monday nor J.D. Drew became the Hall of Fame talents that you would think they would be, but they wound up being all-stars, MVP candidates, and World Series heroes for specific franchises. And for the franchises who drafted them, they wound up getting an ace in a World Series win in the deal. So in the end, with the exception of the Phillies, everyone was okay. So happy birthday, Rick Monday and J.D. Drew. And it's going to bring us to today's trivia question. Rick Monday was the first ever draft pick in the amateur draft. Who was the second pick in the 1965 draft? Who was the second player picked after Rick Monday? And he was picked by the Mets. That's all I'll say. Put your answers right down here in YouTube or at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Honoring the Phillies and the Braves and hoping it's the beginning of a rivalry that will last for years to come. This has been Lockdown MLB for the 20th day of November 2023. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.